So praise the Lord, I got to get my eyes on. If you got your Bibles, uh, we're going to turn to St. Mark's Gospel. St. Mark's Gospel. Chapter 5. If you got it, I got it. Uh, yeah, the Lord is good. I heard a story. Uh, actually, me and Finley were singing it yesterday going to town, and my little Finley. Uh, and uh, uh, so I just got curious to see how this song, where, where it originated from. Most of you know it. it's an old song, it's an old hymn song. I have decided to follow Jesus. So I just did a little research. It's real easy. Click of a button. Boom. There it is. You know, thank God for all that stuff. You can, you know, sometimes I still get my books out. I like, I like the books. But, and it came from, the song originated, uh, and a couple hundred years ago, there was a revival in Wales, England. And uh, after that revival missionaries were called to go into the mission field and this young couple decided they feel like they needed to go to northern india and there in northern india there was a tribe uh they had a they had a, a name they they and they got it honestly they were they were called headhunters and they would take the heads of their enemies and cut them off and hang them on their walls and they were furious and Anyway, this missionary decided to go there. Obviously, they didn't accept him, but they didn't kill him. They left him alone, and, and, and to this day, this is the way most of the churches are built in India. We're still a part of, since 2022, I have a connection there with a, with a friend of mine that we, that we love and love him dearly. Ashley knows him, uh, but uh, Pastor Nelson Paul but they would go into try to win one family in that tribe. And when they get them one, they move on to the next. Well, they won this family over. And all of a sudden, they kind of kind of spread because it's what the gospel does. You know, it affects people's lives. And, you know, people want to tell people about what Jesus did. Well, it got so bad. That, well, not bad, but it got bad for the tribe, for the, for the chief, that people started getting converted. So he snatched the first family up that the missionary had won brought him before the, the council and said, you denounce Jesus, because he had two sons and a, and a wife. He says, if you don't denounce this Jesus, I'm going to kill your two sons. And he, he looked at his sons and uh, he said these words, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And the way they executed his sons, they had a team of archers there and lined up like a firing squad, if you will, and they shot the two sons and killed them. He looked at the, the father again and said, I'm going to give you another chance. You denounce Jesus or I'm going to shoot you or kill your wife. We're going to kill your wife. And he looked at his wife and said, though none go with me, still I'll follow. No turning back, no turning back. They shot his wife. And there, he stood there, and the chief looked at him and said, Deny your Christ, or I'm going to kill you. And uh, the man 
looked up to heaven and said these words, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And the chief had him executed. But something happened. The chief looked at all those, that whole entire family land there on the ground. And he thought to himself, there must be something to this Jesus. And so with that conviction, he surrendered his life to Christ. And eventually that whole tribe of basically savages began to get converted and got saved. And then later on, there was a, uh, another missionary there that was from the land of India wrote that song. And if you'll allow me before I get into the word, I just want to kind of sing a verse or two of that song. Is that okay? Did y'all have, have your cappuccino this morning or your <laughs> Starbucks? I had mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, cheer up, it gets better. <laughs> Look at somebody say, cheer up, it gets better. I'm, I'm a participating preacher. Uh... I like it when you talk. You understand? You feel me? I like it when you talk. Anyway, it goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, you playing it? Oh. Oh, yeah. I can't follow it anyway. Play it. No, but go ahead. <laughs> Is that it? I can't. I can't. I can't follow music. That's all right. Don't worry about. It. I just sing it. I just sing it acapella. I'll sing it Baptist style. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. 
No turning back. No turning back. Can we sing it together? Can we just sing it together? You ready? One. When I was growing up, there was this feller in the church. About every, we'd all get in the corner, you know, with the piano, around the piano, the guys, you know, the church, we would, kids would. We'd be under the seats picking bubble gum off the bottom of the pew. But uh, they'd get up there, you know, and, and sang and play. Anyway, the, the one fellow that was leading the music, I'll show you what he did. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Betty, are you ready? Are you ready, Betty? Okay, let's go. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands for Jesus? Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph because we have overcome, because he has overcome. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. All right, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. I'm going, I'm going old school with you this morning. I, uh, I, should, I probably should have changed the translation, but not that I'm hooked on this one, but anyway, I just, you got Mark chapter 5. I'm reading now the King James Version, and I'm going to start at verse 24. Hallelujah. Verse 24, I pick up in the middle of this, it's almost, it's almost as if it's an interruption to the story that proceeds or that, that proceed that, that was before it. Jairus, Jesus had just got off the ship from being over in the land of the Gadareans and there he encountered a man that was possessed with demons, 2,000 the Bible says, his name was Legion, met Christ. Christ delivered him, got back on the ship, the little boat, and crossed back over to the other side. And there was a great crowd standing there waiting on Jesus. And when he got off the boat, there was a ruler of the synagogue called Jairus, who had a daughter, 12 years old, that was sick at home, fixing to die. And the Bible says that Jairus came to Jesus and said, can you come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter and she will be healed? And Jesus said, like he always says, I will. So they started following Jairus to his house and the crowd was with them. And then we pick up in verse 24 because it seems like there was an interruption. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him, Jairus, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman 
which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was tried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And immediately Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press of the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for this time of gathering together in this place to worship you, to magnify you. Lord, I pray you put me on like you did Gideon. Anoint these lips of clay. Let me speak as it be the oracles of God. Open up our hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme, the theme that you'll find throughout, I believe, throughout the entire scriptures is, is this concept, uh, this, this idea of interruption to intervention. You will find this theme and this concept throughout all the scripture. And you first find it in the book of Genesis of all places, the book of beginnings. In, in Genesis chapter 2, after God began to, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But in Genesis chapter 2, he went down, and of course, you know, he said, let there be light. And, and, and there was light and, and the creation of all the vegetables and the seas and the, the separating the ferment, the day and night. And he got to chapter 2 and the Bible says that, that God had finished his work and sat down and rested on the seventh day. In, in the following chapter, you'll find the interruption, if you will, that man was told when God took him from the dust of the earth and formed him in his image and his likeness and placed him in the, 
in the eloquent garden called Eden, called paradise, where they needed nothing. They lacked nothing. They were blessed and prosperous in the garden, this garden that flourished with everything they needed. And God gave them some instructions. There was one tree that they should not eat from was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the interruption happened at that tree. When they took of the forbidden fruit, there was an interruption. And that interruption, my brothers and sisters, was fellowship with God. They no longer had access because your Bible says that God would come down in the cool of the day and fellowship with man because he made man in his likeness and his image. But that theme you can see throughout all the scriptures and we can even find it in our own lives as this lady in the scripture that I talked to you about this that I read to you, she had an interruption that she didn't plan for. And, and if you do the study, she, she had an issue of blood. It was, it was probably a, started out to be a normal thing with her. It was her monthly cycle, if you will, I think, I think most of us here know what I'm talking about, the monthly cycle of the woman. That it was her, that's what the scripture's talking about. When you go back to the book of Leviticus, sis, she was, she, when a woman, even at the normal cycle, she was considered to be unclean for those seven days. She couldn't, she couldn't have any contact, physical contact with her husband. She, and everything she sat on had to be washed. Everything she slept on had to be washed. And it was a seven day cycle. And after that seven days, they washed and boom and go back to normal activity. But this lady, her cycle didn't stop. It kept going the second week, the third week, the fourth week, and finally, and here's, here's what the Bible says she had to do. If she ever, even in her normal activity, in her normal cycle, where she went in public, so I guess most of them probably just stayed in a lot. But when the, if she had to go outside, she said she had to pronounce herself to be unclean unclean don't touch me I'm unclean everybody knew that she must be going through her normal cycle but I find in this scripture and I find it very interesting because we can find we can relate sometimes in our own lives we plan our days but the Bible says that God directs our steps aren't you glad the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I don't know about you, but my God is in control. Aren't you glad that your God is in control? He's a sovereign God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the first and he is the last. Do I got any Bible readers in this house this morning that believe that God is in control? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God is in control. We find this to be true, this concept in our own lives. We'll be going right along and all of a sudden we'll get a doctor's report and it causes an interruption in our lives. But not only that, we find ourselves because the Bible says in the book, hallelujah, the book, I like the book. You like the book, I like the book. Uh, some of y'all look at me like a cab looking at new gate. I learned this song when I was a little kid. 
the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the Bible, hallelujah. That's the, that's the word, the inspired word of God. And, and the Bible says that God is so awesome uh, that, that men can't figure him out. We, we can't figure out God. If we could, we'd be God. He's God all by himself. The old prophet ancient Isaiah said that none stands beside him, neither on his left hand or his right. God is God all by himself. And he has a plan and a purpose and a design for our life. And sometimes that design and that purpose has interruptions in it. Sometimes it leaves us walking around feeling shame because we feel like we're not, we're not, we're not meeting up to people's expectations. We, we have interruptions in our lives this morning. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that God's eyes, the Bible says, His eyes is going to and fro, up and down in the earth. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Isaiah Isaiah talks about his awesomeness. In Isaiah chapter 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. But let me tell you something this morning, that God, God is looking for somebody, no matter what we go through, no matter what we're dealing with in this present moment. The Bible says that they that put their trust in the Lord, he shall bring it, he bring their desires to bring them to pass. Aren't you glad this morning? Can you turn me up just a little bit here? Turn me up just a little bit. I, I, I had an interruption about two and a half years ago. And it was, yeah, right there, that sounds good. Yeah. Two and a half years ago, was it two and a half years ago? I had an interruption. Unexpected. Right out of the blue. They found a cancer in my throat. Didn't do no. They, they, one doctor wouldn't do radiation and chemotherapy. I went up to IU and all they did was surgery, snatched that sucker out of there, sewed me back up, and, and said I'm good. So hallelujah. But but I remember I remember Ismarie freaking out. But anyway, that was an interruption. But but this morning, one of the greatest things. That, that, that happened in the Garden of Eden when there was an interruption in man's relationship with God that God already had a plan before there was ever an interruption. Hallelujah. There was already a plan established settled in heaven before there was ever an interruption. The Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's sovereign. He knows everything before anything that you and I see happens. God is in control. For we know Romans 8, 28 says, for we know that all things work together for good to them that are called of God and, and called to his purpose. I'm missing it all, but you know what I'm talking about. Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for our good to them that are called according to his purpose. I'm glad this morning that, that let, let me just, let me just, let me just, where's the clock? Let me just mosey right along here. As my buddy in Kentucky says, let me just wheelbarrow along here. Let's look at, let's look at this lady's life for just one second. For just one, just another 10 or 15 minutes. Can you imagine? And most of us can relate because 
We have lived long enough to see things come and see things go. We have lived and experienced life long enough that everything doesn't necessarily go according to our plan. But I'm glad this morning that in 1982 on February the 7th. See, I remember the day when the Lord saved me. I remember the day when he brought me out of bondage and darkness and placed my foot on a rock to stay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll have a fit all by myself. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I'm redeemed. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I was once lost. But now I am saved, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. There was an interruption in my life, but God intervened. Aren't you glad that God intervened in your life? Woo! Woo! Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm glad God intervened in my life. I was headed to some places that wasn't very good, but God intervened. There was an intervention in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You didn't come to Jesus just because you thought it was a good idea. He called you. He called, many are called, but few are chosen. He not only called you, but he chose you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life to stand upon this planet, to declare the goodness and the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad this morning that I am redeemed. I think it was the Job that said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My God is bigger. My God is better. My God is bigger. And my God is better. When things start getting worse and worse, hang on. You little buckaroos because it's fixing to get better. God is going to fix it to turn some things. There is going to be an intervention at some point in our lives. Listen to me. I'm glad that woman didn't give up. That woman, Sister Joni, was, was a woman that she, she, she was fearlessly, she, 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 she refused to give up. She refused to be denied, to be denied. Listen to me this morning. Your Bible teaches us that we are living in a time and a season where it's only going to get worse and worse. But for us, the, 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 the light of the righteous, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and the path of the wicked gets dimmer and dimmer. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad I'm on the path where the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We don't walk in darkness. The darkness can't comprehend the light. I'm glad, I'm glad the light that's shone in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not this morning. We are, we are his and he is ours. This morning, this morning from interruption to intervention I see the theme I see that concept throughout even in our own lives we see it if you just stop and just take a moment and sit down you can see that concept running through your life and mine that God always 
he always, sometimes our life is like a jigsaw puzzle. It looks like it's all scrambled up. But aren't you glad that God knows what he's doing? Aren't you glad that God knows what he's doing? Is anybody glad God knows what he's doing? Hallelujah. I'm glad God knows what he's doing. And he is in control of our lives. Hallelujah. Your Bible says that this woman, she had this issue for 12 long years. She struggled. And no doubt, I don't know if you can imagine with me, but just imagine just for a few more minutes the things that she lost along the way. She lost relationships along the way. Maybe perhaps she lost her husband along the way because he could not touch her. He could not be with her. Friends and families, she basically lost everything had nothing else to live for but there was something on the inside of her that did not give up when giving up sounded easy they did not quit when quit sounded so much easier she refused to give up she refused to quit no matter the pain and the trouble and the embarrassment that went on in her life you know it's one thing it's one thing to have a a, because see this is supposed to have been a private problem only until she went in public she had announced she was unclean and she never went outside and she never went to the grocery store and she never went to McDonald's she would nobody ever know she was unclean other than those in her house but when she went outside she had to let everybody know she was unclean it's one one thing that our sin or our struggle is private. It's another thing when it's posted in public. It brings some type of shame to us. This woman dealt with shame like never before. Like none of us has. She has dealt with this shame. But aren't she glad she refused to be denied? To be denied. She said no. She. The Bible says she heard of Jesus. I wonder how she heard Jesus. How, how did this woman hear of Jesus? Well, you'll find in the Book of Mark. I think the first three or four chapters that the Bible says when Jesus came off the mountain of temptation that he, he began to teach in their synagogue and his fame was noised abroad and there is a there is a scripture in the book of Romans that said, that said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't know about you but have you ever been so desperate that have you ever been so desperate in your life that you didn't know which way to turn you was asking God please please show me the, show me the way show me how to get out of this man send me deliverance touch my body whatever it may be and all of a sudden after after praying and wailing before the whoosh, there it comes it seems like it's been immediately the bible says immediately jesus touched her but that immediately kind of in a way don't show the whole full picture of her last 12 years of her life she was broke busted and disgusted all of her all of her neighbors didn't like her no more couldn't go around her her husband probably done left. Her children could not have fellowship with her. She was all alone. She was all alone. Loneliness is, a, is, 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 is not fun when you deal with loneliness and anxiety and depression. Can you imagine the level of her depression? Can you imagine the level her, of her loneliness for 12 years? And she was, she was a Israelite. She was a daughter of God. She belonged to the house of Israel. How can this be? We belong to God, but yet these interruptions come into our lives. I found something very interesting about Capernaum. This is where this story took place. 
Jesus had his headquarters in Capernaum after he left Nazareth because he left Nazareth because he did very few miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. They looked at him as Joseph and Mary's son. They did not look at him as others looked at him as the Messiah, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, the one who did miracles and signs and wonders. They looked at him as ordinary. But how many knows this morning he was much more than ordinary. He was extraordinary. He fit in. He looked like everybody else. But he was the son of the living God. He was God incarnated in flesh. I'm glad that God so loved us. During the interruption in garden, God had a plan. Before the echoing of the fruit ever stopped in the garden, Jesus was on his way to Calvary. Hallelujah. Jesus was on his way to the cross. Before, before Adam and Eve ever swallowed that fruit, the Bible says it was done before the foundation. God already had a plan for our redemption, for, our, for his intervention into our eruption in our lives. I'm glad he had our plan. Hallelujah. I'm saved. And I know I'm saved. It's a good feeling, Sister Joni, to know you're saved. Even when you even when you have life's interruptions in your life, you're glad that you're saved. Because everything else will fail you a time or two in, in your life. But aren't you glad that you're saved, that you know you're saved? I know I'm saved because I had called upon the name of the Lord. And, I, and, he, and the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's a good God, y'all. This woman. Let me wrap this thing up here. This woman. Lost everything she had. Lost her money. Lost her livelihood. Lost those close to her. Almost like the, the feller in India who was faced with the situation. Can you just play something? I'm fixing to close, sis. Can you give me a... An ending, ending music. Think about the times. I mean, Job said, man that's born a woman is but a few days and full of trouble. We don't escape trials think it not strange for this fury trial that's trying you because you shall come forth like gold Capernaum was they had rock houses some say they came from lava rocks hardened through heat the streets were very narrow as he navigated his way through the streets of Capernaum, headed to Jairus' house, he was interrupted. The flow had stopped on the direction he was going. And there was a woman where shame 
no longer affected her. She had been shamed so much, she got callous to her shame. Loneliness was her companion. Depression was her pillow. Anxiety was her transportation. She learned, not by choice, to cope with what she was dealing with. And she heard, because the gospel is good news, she heard about Jesus. She heard of his wonderful works. She heard. And when she heard, she believed. I don't know what kind of conversation she had prior to when she got there. The courage to get out of the house. Her body's weak. The doctors that, de- that she did see could not treat it. There was no cure for her. And she, maybe she heard Jesus. Maybe she heard somebody say, hey, Jesus said he's the great physician. Because he was, and he is, and he will always be. And, hello. Okay, God. Somebody need to hear that again. God, tell you something this morning. She broke all the rules. She broke all the rules. Not only did she leave her house that day, this wasn't coming out of her mouth. I'm unclean. Because if she had it, nobody in that crowd would let her got close enough. I don't know because it was because it's in Palestine, it was the customs, you know, they wore veils and stuff. So maybe that's one way how she got through. Is she covered herself. I don't know. Because she lived there in Capernaum. So the people knew her. But they could not identify her. Maybe she covered herself. Maybe she, maybe she went rogue on them and went, you know, uh, you know undercover. Sometimes you just need to go undercover. Sometimes we just need to go undercover. We're telling the wrong people the right things that they don't need to know because they can't help us. So maybe she just went undercover. I just want to tell you, just go undercover. When Susie can't help and John can't help and Philip can't help and we've exhausted all these avenues, we just need to come to Jesus. You may have to come to him undercover. 
Because, because the people already know your stuff. It's a tough thing when everybody knows your public stuff. When your stuff that's private goes public. <laughs> Hello. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there it comes. Listen, when I got saved, I remember the day. I remember 9-11. Y'all remember 9-11? How many remember where you was at on 9-11? I remember exactly where I was at at 9-11. I remember those. There's certain dates that just stick out. And I remember, Sister Ashley, the day I got saved. I remember the day. I remember the time. I remember where I was standing. I can take you to the spot. I mean, I had a much place to go. I was in jail, you know. And I was in, I was up on the third floor at cell block D in cage seven. Looking out this little window. This is this look my dad had brought me because it's for cable television. And my dad brought me this little black and white television. Because it was my hometown. They knew him, you know, so he kind of like, oh, if he slipped him any money, I don't know what he did, but they let me have a little TV. It was black and white with the rabbit ears, you know, the rabbit ears with aluminum foil. And you remember those TVs that would roll? You know, you'd be watching all of a sudden they just take off rolling. I know I got some people in here that remember that stuff. I mean, I, I see a few people probably don't know what I'm talking about. But I know some of you older than I am. Where the TV would roll, you know, try to hit the TV, get it to stop. But there's this preacher preaching. I couldn't tell you what he was saying, but I'll tell you who he's talking about. He was talking about me. He's talking about Jesus. And I surrendered my life that morning. And I had a visitation that morning. Normally, my late wife, who passed away in 2011, her and the kids would come and see me, and they had to check in downstairs. They had to wait till I came downstairs to see them in supervision. But that morning, that morning, there was an intervention. Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, walked past the guard downstairs, walked up. I'm sure he didn't walk, but I'm sure he just, he was there, you know. He's like, he's like Superman, you know, or whatever. He just walked, Casper the Friendly Ghost, just walked through the walls. That's what he did. He appeared and stopped my bleeding. The blood stopped my bleeding like it did hers. And this morning, this morning, I don't know what your bleeding is. It may be physical. It may be emotional. It may be spiritual. It may be families that disconnected sons and daughters that no longer communicate with you. Whatever the interruption is. This woman was bound and determined. She woke up that morning like every morning. But her agenda had changed. She had heard Jesus was in town. How many knows that 
that Jesus will show up at the right time, at the right place, when it's necessarily convenient for everybody else. Jairus had an interruption in his life that he probably didn't care too much about because his daughter was dying. But when you're walking with the life giver and you're walking with the bread of life and the living water and the miracle worker, then you're in good shape. There's a scripture. There's a scripture that, that talks about how God holds our hand in times of trouble. This morning, I want to leave you with this. I won't sit down. I'll just sit down. Hallelujah. Turn that music up just a little bit. There you go. Thank you, Lord. You have to make a choice this morning that you're tired. You're tired of this interruption in your life. You're tired of two steps forward and ten steps back. You're tired of just making proclamations in your own strength, in your own power. And you may run for a little while, but you stop. You give in. You give up. You go back to the same old things. You, you, know, what the, you know what the definition for insanity is, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You got to do something. You got to change. You can't walk out of the house this morning proclaiming you're unclean. You got to change the way you talk and change the way you look at things. Psalmist said, I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He is the helper. He is the keeper. He is a way maker in our lives. All you got to do is trust him. Call upon him. Surrender to him. He says you got to surrender. You got to endeavor to persevere. You got to keep moving. You got to know that he is the anchor of your soul. Though the storm winds may blow, God is still the anchor of your soul. Though there's been an interruption and a pause or things going on in your life, we still got to get up knowing that God is in control. That no matter how bad the storm may be, God is still on the boat. 
He's not abandoned ship. He's with you. I believe this morning that God is going to intervene in some situations in your life. Maybe you're here and you're lost without God. Maybe you got a head knowledge of God. Maybe you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. When that woman touched his clothes, that word means relationship. She touched him in the sense of having relationship. Not just to touch. People were touching him all down through that little cobblestone street. The crowd was pressing on him. But she touched him. She touched him with her heart and her spirit and her soul. She touched him. She knew he was the doctor that could heal her, set her free. Some men trust in horses and some men trust in chairs, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. I don't know where you're at in this particular moment in your life, but this morning, you got to make up your mind. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to wake up every morning. I'm going to go to bed every night. I'm going to take my lunch break and I'm going to thank him for his presence. Job had this attitude. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. After all of the things that happened in Job's life, all the interruptions, all the loss of his family, his business, his, his, his animals, everything he lost, his silver and his gold, they said, curse him, curse God and die. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't know about you, but that guy that wrote those, that said those words of that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, I think he believed it. I know he believed it. He gave his life for it. They said, they said he quoted John chapter 12, I think it was, right before they put the arrows through his heart. I think it was John chapter 12, verse 26, I think. 23, 24, 25, 26. If any man try to save his life, he'll lose it. But if a man will lose it for my sake, he shall find it. This morning, there's going to be an intervention. There was on Calvary. There was an interruption. They put Jesus in the grave. He got up on the third day, ascended back to the Father. And now we are looking for his appearing. He's coming soon. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're, we're going we're gonna to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, when we hear the trump of God. And those that went on before us, the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We are living in the best of times. And we are living in the worst of times. And I believe with all of my heart we need to focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our families, our friends, our church. And speak the word with boldness. Speak it with authority. 
God is doing great and mighty things across this land of ours. Across the world, God is saving people by the thousands and by the hundreds and by the thousands and by the millions. But on the other side, many are dying without Jesus. And they need him. You need him this morning. I need him this morning. Will you stand with me this morning?